0: I'm going to uh, focus now on the last piece of our story taken from Luke chapter 2. And uh, we're going to tell it with a little bit of flair. I've never kept watch over any sheep at night, but uh, uh, the closest actually I've ever been to sheep was when I spent some time in Ireland. And the first night I was in Ireland... Um, uh, we were outside of Dublin about a half an hour and it was black outside and cold outside and dark outside and it was still. And every time I read Luke narration of the shepherds, I just imagine it being still. The middle of the night, quiet. And I don't know, again, like I said, much about keeping watch over the flocks by night But I assume it also looks something like napping. Might be keeping an ear to the ground for wild beasts or things like that, um, but largely not that entertaining. And so it's quiet. And the suddenness with which all of the next event happens. I mean, imagine everything that we're about to say happens in like the... The clip of maybe maybe thirty seconds to a minute. If you if you listen, the glory of the Lord rends the sky. It just breaks in, and the Hebrew word that we we have for glory is actually. Um, a word that means weighty. It's like something that has physical substance to it. And so when they talk about the glory of the Lord in the Bible, I kind of, we often imagine, maybe you're different, but often imagine just light. It's not just light, it's something that has substance. It's a thing, uh, a mystery beyond our comprehension. The glory of the Lord rips the sky open and it gets bigger and bigger, and bigger, and it shines all around the shepherds, and the angel of the Lord appears to them, and I love the King James, they are sore afraid. And I assume that this too must be a kind of an understatement, because seeing this would not make me sore afraid, but whatever is above that. And I imagine them falling on their faces before this heavy light. Do you remember the first words out of the angel's mouth? Do not be afraid, for I bring glad tidings of great joy that will be for all people, for unto you is born this day in the city of David Christ the Lord. And you will find him wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger. And of course, uh, Bethlehem itself is a very small town. The surrounding area is is very is very wide. It's, it's green, it's grassy, it's good for flocks. But the town itself is small. A couple hundred people, maybe a thousand. Not that many. And so for them to go into town and to find the newborn baby is not going to be a hard search. There's probably only one. And you're going to find him wrapped in swaddling cloths and and lying in the manger. And then as they're processing this, and I don't know if you've ever, how much of the Bible each of you has read, but when the angels speak in other places, it's with a, a voice that sounds like the crashing of the waves of the ocean against the rocks. I mean, this is a booming voice. Not only does the light itself have substance, have weight as the angel speaks, so do his words as it shakes the ground around them. And then the sky itself is rent open all the way across. Now, I I was gonna do a Google search and I forgot to do it, but however many people we have in the American military, thousands upon thousands of, of service people, right? How much... Or how many do you think God has in his army compared to ours, right? And so the shepherds have not only been laid low by the weight of glory, and not only have they heard the booming voice of the angel, but the sky is now ripped open and filled with the armies of heaven the host of heaven. And in one voice, imagine this army, imagine the light, imagine the sound, not just of the angel's voice, but the entire army of heaven, which has leaned close to this no-name place in the world, and they cry out in their voice of one accord, Gloria in excelsis Deo. Glory to God in the highest. on earth, Peace with whom he has found favor. And then, just as quickly as it happens, it's gone. Now, I love this scene for so many different reasons, but if you consider for just a moment what the world was doing that evening. Imagine Bethlehem. We read, or... uh, 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 Miles Red couldn't think of your name. Miles Red, uh, for us that this was uh, all happening. Everybody had gone to their hometown to register, and so you can imagine that this town, which is really quite small, and so not prepared for an influx of relatives, now is chock full of relatives. Uh, inns were very rare. Uh, very rare, uh, and really, even that word we translate "in" is probably not "in." It's probably more like a guest room, and, and so there's just no room in the whole town. And here, Mary is about to give birth, and people, you know, they're not, there's no preparation made for this. It's kind of all happening, and so you can imagine all of the people and all of the, the the soldiers that probably were there to keep the peace, and all of the tax collectors that were there to take down names and figure out how much you owed, and all of the animals that are going to push through town. All of this busyness, and here's a girl who's giving birth nobody's paying attention to this this is not an important event in the course of human history in Bethlehem this like nothing podunk town, this is where the, nothing is ha- The entire world is moving and doing their business. They're arguing about politics. There's a slow burning rage because, uh, you know, really their taxation there. It's sort of like imagine World War II, Mann in High Castle style. And like Nazi Germany has taken over uh, America and they've called us into our hometown so that they can figure out how much they can tax us so that, that it'll go to their armies, to their cities, to their people. This is exactly what is happening to these people. And so there's all of this this political turmoil and all of this anger and all of this hustle and bustle and busyness and everyone misses the birth of the Savior. But who didn't miss it? The armies of heaven. The armies of heaven that night are leaning in to Bethlehem, watching Bethlehem, watching this moment and it just made me stop and think this, 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 this week as I was reading through these texts and thinking about it, how many times have I been so busy I missed what angels were watching? Our lives are so hectic, aren't they? We've we got to be involved in everything. We've got to be answering every post. Our kids have to be at every game and every practice. We, we've got we've to be involved in all of these things. And my answer to you, or my, my prayer for even our own family this year is, no, it doesn't. No, it doesn't. And no, we don't. When did we turn over our lives to other people's calendars? When did we decide that somebody else is going to govern everything we do on our nights and our weekends? When did we turn our lives over? And how many times has heaven leaned in close to something powerful and I missed it because I was too busy with my time? If I could take one sort of thing away from this story, it might be this, that we should do less and pray more. The shepherds get up. Uh, and they ask the question, well, what are we going to do about that? <laughs> and somebody smart said, well, I don't know, but we just saw the armies of heaven, so we better do what they told us to do. Even if there isn't an impulse of, like, we got to see this thing, there's like, well, we better see this thing. And so they get to up, and they get moving, and they travel to Bethlehem. They'll get there. Just, just be patient. They got there. woo a whole of heaven leaning in close, and they they make it uh, they make it to Bethlehem. And I, I have to imagine that on that journey to Bethlehem, all of these questions have to be coming forward in their minds, asking questions like, "Why us? Why us? You think Mary ever asked that question? Why me? I mean, she's clearly able and willing to say, uh, you know." Uh, I'm the handmaid of the Lord, let it be as you declare. But but why me? Were there no other girls in Bethlehem? Were there no other shepherds keeping watch over the flocks by night? And were there not more important people to be dealing with than shepherds keeping watch over their flocks by night? I mean this is not these are not like people who are going to be world shapers. Nobody what are their names? We don't even record their names. The Magi, they come from the East. What are their names? We don't know. We had to make them up. So we make them up so we have something to call these three guys who are wandering through. We don't even know if there's three. Right? These names, these people, they've been lost to history. And yet we, we watch heaven lean in to talk to them. Isn't that incredible? How often in your life have you thought, I am not an important person? I have nothing that God would want me to do. I'm not special, I'm not unique. I don't, I, don't have, I don't have meaning. And I can't help but stop and look at this story that history will probably forget my name. Uh, but God still uses shepherds and carpenters and teenage girls to do incredible, powerful, meaningful, earth-shattering things. Yeah. I, I love the words of Jesus. I found com- comfort in the words of Jesus. Uh, there's this great passage. He says, Come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon me. Now, if you I, I don't if you haven't guessed already, do a lot of farming. Uh, but a yoke is something that that attaches two beasts of burden so that they can do double the work in pulling a load or, or doing, accomplishing some, some task. Think about what this means for Jesus. God has come down and says, let me yoke myself to you so that we can keep in step together. Do you recognize how much humility that is for God to do that for you? God can stand, and this is, in fact, this is the, the word of Islam, this is the word of uh, Judaism, this is the word uh, of, of, uh, of various other religions. God stands back and God commands, and you had best do what God commands. Now, our gospel is very much that. God does command, but Jesus also says, let me yoke myself to you and teach you how to walk. What great love. What condescension. Jesus says, take my yoke upon you for I am gentle and humble in heart. Our message this morning as we tell the story of the nativity is that God became, in the text we often read man, but let's take it right to Bethlehem. God became a baby. Now what's it like to be a baby? Not awesome? Did somebody say awesome? Awesome. Because i don 't think it 's awesome i don 't want to be completely dependent upon somebody i don 't want to eat baby food again, right? I mean, a baby is completely helpless. It, it has to be washed, it has to be cleaned it has it's pooping in its diapers there's nothing there 's nothing less you know less dignified than a dirty diaper right and God became. A baby. He took on flesh. Literally became a child. Do you wonder, the only word that, as I was thinking about this, as it says gentle and humble in heart. And I always kind of had kind of like gentle and humble hearts got kind of like a like a hallmarky sentimental ring to, to it, you know? Oh, isn't it nice? Jesus is gentle and humble in heart. No, this is humiliation. God humiliated himself. Why? So that you and I could find rest for our souls. So that we could take his yoke upon us. So that we could learn from him. So that the word the angel spoke to Joseph today, you will name him Jesus. Because that name means literally, he will save his people from their sins. Isn't that incredible? And the, the shepherds are contemplating all of this God with usness. And they are made their way, uh, as you might have known, to the place. And this is just uh, this is a, a side um, beef that I have with whoever makes flannel grass. Because there was no Mary who looked like she had just given birth. <laughs> they were all, I'm standing up. They were all on my knees. They were all, I'm sitting down. And I had for a while, I was like, well, like, maybe I'll have her sitting and holding a baby. And then I thought, that's not fair. Mary just gave birth. She should lay down. And so Mary is laying down. And the shepherds come in to see this great sight of the baby born there that day. And the, what we see later on, uh, as, as they've... What? It's just, it's, they keep animals. <laughs> Not a bear? Well... Anyway, regardless, they do see Jesus, and then they begin, of course, we know that they go, um, and they leave the area. What? What is a crowded stable? The circus was in town, too. Who knows? We don't know. And so they go back, and our text also tells us that as they're going back to where they came from, that they are praising God the whole time, and telling everybody that they can what they have seen, and Mary is is treasuring these things in her heart. I I love that. There's this sense in which Mary is just awed by all of this. What does this mean? Um. There's two things I kind of want to leave you with this morning as we tell the story. And the first is you notice that where did the shepherds go after they met Jesus? Back, right? Oftentimes we think we'll encounter Jesus, and, and then, like, it's when we encounter Jesus, the heavens are open, and then, like, they're going to stand blazing over us for the rest of our lives. But no, the shepherds go back to their sheep. Joseph goes back to carpentry. Mary is now a mom, right? Things go back. There are these moments, these mountain moments where God breaks into our lives, and it's incredible, and it's awesome, and then we're back to where we used to be. And one of the things that... Christian music, art, and, uh, and movies will kind of give you this impression, and if you read the Joel and Joyce books, give you this impression, is that your entire life from now on is gonna be mountain meadows all the way through. And this is not true. Every day cannot be a Friday. Wednesday must show up now and then. And one of the things that I find so wonderful about the Bible is it never pretends like it could be anything different. But God has indeed changed these people's lives. Things are the same in the sense that the shepherds are still shepherds and Joseph is still a carpenter and Mary is, is now a mother. Things are, things are very much the same and yet things are now quite, quite different. Things have changed. The world has, has shifted in a way that almost defies description because it isn't necessarily just that the world has changed and that, again, we're dealing with sheep and babies and carpentry, but the way I see the world is now different. Now I am looking for God in the smallest things. Now I am looking for a God who comes near, condescends, humiliates himself so that he can deliver the gospel to me. And I begin to ask questions about how might I humiliate myself to bring the gospel to somebody else? How might I swallow my pride? How might I bend down low? How might I take the scorn? How might I carry the cross? How might I serve instead of be served and give my life as a ransom for many there 's this lovely, lovely text in second corinthians uh, chapter five verses sixteen uh, through twenty one it 's one of my favorite passages, and I, I know i 've read it before, but well i 'm going to do it again, so here we go, and I love it because it describes so perfectly what we 're talking about from now on and I hear the, hear the or I see this in the the, the shepherd 's lives. From now on, therefore, we can regard nothing according to the flesh. Like, we no longer look at things just by their material value. The people that you encounter are not just people. They're potential sons and daughters of God. They're people that Jesus humiliated himself for. There are people that he became a baby for. There are people that he died on the cross for, that he went into the tomb for, that he rose from the grave for. You don't regard any person as just a person. That's different now. Because of Christmas, it's different now. Even though we once regarded Christ according to the flesh, we might have even looked at Jesus according to the flesh But we don't even see him that way any longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, there is a new creation. The old has passed and everything has become new. Now we could read that and miss the power of it. But again, the shepherds went back to the sheep and Joseph went back to the carpentry. And so it is how we now encounter the world and see the world and live in the world. That the old has passed away and that this is from God who through Christ has reconciled us to himself. And he has given us the ministry of reconciliation. God who became a baby so that he could make us his sons and daughters has now handed off that very same ministry to those of you who have encountered him and been changed by the power of the nativity. That is that in Christ God was reconciling the world to himself not counting their trespasses against them. And if God no longer counts our trespasses against us do we have any right to regard the trespasses that we have committed against one another how you view the world has changed reconciling us and not counting our trespasses against us and entrusting us that message of reconciliation and therefore we are now ambassadors for Christ we are God making his appeal Through you, through you. The only baby born in Bethlehem they will ever see is you, right? You are the Jesus they see. You are the Jesus they know. How Jesus are you? because over the holiday and over this time it is a wonderful time especially looking at a new year in 2017 and going forward and thinking the important question and the most important question that I could ask is how well did I represent Christ last year so I could see where I didn't do such a great job and in 2017 how well can I represent Christ this year this is the only resolution that can change your life change your world and it is the only resolution to which heaven will lean in close and listen to and cheer on and maybe even cry glory to God in the highest as they see you living out God's appeal for our sake. God made Jesus who knew no sin to be saved so that in Him we might become righteousness.